me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Welcome to Series 2 of the Elemental Health Podcast. Um, this is the first episode on, on the second series. We've had a bit of a gap since the first 12 were released, and I was so excited uh, about that part of the project. And I'm even more excited, if that's possible, about this next uh, second series and who we've got on. And, and I'm labeling this a, a deep dive. And on each episode, I'm trying to, to, to dig out uh, more of the tools and tactics and, and, and the, the, the bits and pieces that you're then able to go away and implement implementing your life and being really specific and really granular on the information that I'm extracting from my guests and the information that I'm giving you in the um, solo casts that I put together uh, for, for the research and, and the uh, the world, uh, the, the bits that I come in contact with and things that I ponder and, and the aspects that people... Um, the listeners ask about as well and the questions that I get through my my coaching and, and through through social media and all those bits and pieces so um, it's really kind of boiling that down and trying to get give you more value I guess is the point and episode one of the second series is just about to start and I couldn't ask for a better guest to to launch this second series we, we're going to listen dive straight in with uh, Jeremy Abramson who is just a huge ball of energy um, he lives in Miami. His life got turned upside down, and you know, he's still quite a young guy. But he he has been on a real journey, and he is now delivering some of what I believe is is the best content out there on 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 all the different platforms, actually. And and his ability to kind of energize people and go into a corporate environment or or one on one or group coaching, whatever it might be, and and influence that that body of people uh, through positivity with with his passion and purpose. Um, and we talk a lot and we get into the weeds around, around uh, different types of training, um, how he got into animal flow and movement culture um, versus kind of the traditional way of doing things. So we're kind of trying to, trying to change shift of paradigm in, in, in the way the conversation develops um, and just understand uh, his view of the world, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, and this was filmed in my house and, and, and uh, Jeremy came to stay with me. And we had a really good time. So I really hope you enjoy the recording. So let's jump straight in with the Chief Energy Officer, Jeremy Abramson. Coach Jeremy Abramson, welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Yes, sir. So happy to be here. What a journey. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. Um, on the show. This is uh, uh, the first episode of series two um, and I couldn't think of a, a better guest to, to have in front of me in terms of energy and, and kind of outlook on life. So I'm, I'm really excited about jumping into some details and, and, and having you share uh, where you are in your journey and, and what's going on with you um, and, and kind of uh, explore your kind of outlook and your, your mindset towards uh, health, happiness, life, movement, all the bits and pieces that I know you're, you're really, really passionate about. Yes, sir. Let's, let's dive deep. I'm ready for this. I've been looking forward to this all week. Yeah, well, well yeah. Well, I mean, um, prior to this recording, we were down the beach and you were showing me some, some of your stuff. So that was that was a nice interlude into or an intro into into kind of your world and what you're up to. So thank you for that. Hundred percent. Yeah, we were <laughs> we were working on some animal flow movements 
really focusing in on building intention and control with your own body weight because I see so often people in the gym doing exercises, lifting weight that they're not really ready for. You know, it's such high impact on their joints, on their ligaments, and they haven't yet built the resilience and strength and durability in their joints and tissues. So really honing in on your body weight and owning that, right, and building stability in these areas like your shoulders and hips will just translate into every other aspect of fitness. Mm, yeah, and and yeah, that's that's a great kind of intro in, into what you're about, really, and, and you summed it up really well. So uh, um, let's let's dive, um, let's let's rewind a bit, and I just want to know how you got to where you are now, um, kind of the abridged version of your your story so far, and why why movement, why health, um, why, why you're passionate about it, and, and what's been your journey up to this point, and and what's been in, impactful for you. Yeah, for sure. So. I was telling you earlier, I think, a, I think a profound moment for me was a little over four years ago when I was 24. In the span of a week, I got fired from my job and I had found out my girlfriend was cheating on me. So that was really the first big piece of adversity I feel like I had to get through in my life. And I was kind of at a crossroads roads do I continue kind of doing what I'm doing and continue in the sports and marketing industry or do I make a monumental shift and explore so I had decided I was living in California at the time and I had decided to visit Miami and I fell in love with it and during my week there and I had made the decision spur of the moment i packed up my car and i drove across country about four and a half years ago and miami became my home and this this whole process in terms of health and wellness you know i've always been passionate about fitness you know since i was 17 or 18 i was always a scrawny kid so i think when i was a senior in high school and and i had a little more time on my hands and i was trying to maybe impress people right, get that external validation. I went to the YMCA and just started lifting. I had no idea what I was doing. But for me, I have a body type where my metabolism is fast and I kind of put on muscle quick. So I saw results and I love seeing those results. It was, it was like a testament to the hard work and consistency. And I just never saw fitness as a career path, like that I could support myself, support my family. So you know, while I was always passionate about it, it wasn't until like three and a half years ago where I actually like dove deep, I got certified. I, I remember in November of 2016, I went to Onit Academy in Austin, Texas, and I did a certification there. And I was just blown away by, by the knowledge, by the information. And so many people introduced interesting things to me that opened my eyes in terms of nutrition and, and just longevity and, and, living the most optimized life and unleashing your potential in all aspects of health and wellness. And I just dove deep after that. So it's been like a two and a half, three year journey of just really going out there, trying to learn from the best, whether it's Wim Hof, Ben Greenfield, Aubrey Marcus, you know, uh, reading, doing certifications and, and applying it with myself and my clients. Wicked, wicked. Yeah. It's a, it's a good story. And I think, um, 
you know, it's that classic um, hero's journey, isn't it? You face some adversity and you, you get through that and, and your world literally changes from that point on forwards. Um, wicked. So, um, and so now you're based in Miami. Yes, sir. Um, and you're you're the proud host of the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. Correct. Um, and you're also engaging with some really interesting um, organizations and some corporate stuff as well. So what's um, what, what what's next for you on the journey then? So you're you're up until a point. In fact, let's let's wind back. So what what is your focus now? What are you what are you up to? And what what's interesting to you? Um, um, and it's specifically within health and wellbeing. Right. So you and I spoke earlier, and we. You know, you were telling me about how the healthcare industry in England is so broken. And yep. it's like that times 10 in the States. Mm. You know, chronic disease, mental health, these, these have never been as prominent as they are today, which is kind of counterintuitive considering, you know, all the advancements in medicine and technology. And it kind of caused me to step back and just look at how a majority of people are living and how sedentary most of our lives are. We wake up, we wake up in a rush. Our cortisol levels are sky high. We down our coffee and we're stuck in traffic going to work. So our cortisol levels go higher. We're stressed, we're upset and we get to work and then we're inundated with calls and emails and we're sitting on our ass for eight hours. And all of a sudden, we're spending our whole day and a majority of our life sitting in this stagnant position. So when I started this Stand Up to Sitting movement and later, as of three months ago, the podcast, it was really just to bring awareness and to tie in gratitude and movement. Like, we are so grateful to have a body that is capable of moving in all these complex beautiful ways, yet we're making the choice to waste all of that ability. And, you know, in terms of the stand up to sitting stuff, you know, it's a mindset thing too. We are talking also, you know, how people are so set in their ways and stuck in their comfort zone. So stand up to sitting is like, stand up to your normal, stand up to what you're currently doing and grow and be open-minded towards change. So that's really what I'm passionate about is implementing wellness into the workplace and also just bringing fun movement to people's lives. Like I want to make fitness fun again. Like Trump says, he wants to make America great again. <laughs> I want to get hats that say make fitness fun again. So that's actually a good, good idea. I'm going to write those down and have those <laughs> You'll be the first one to get yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so prior to kind of, the, 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 your road to Damascus and the story you told us um, four years ago, five years ago, um, you you must have had uh, a passion for for wellness prior to that and, and sort of an interest. And you said sports as well. Was there anything specific that in your kind of upbringing that led you to that? Because I, I think um, the point I'm, I'm sort of alluding to is, is um, guys uh, at your age, um, you know, don't tend to have such a mature outlook and, and are perhaps less altruistic so is, is there is there a route for that that you can pinpoint yeah i think you know for me i've always had a giving mentality 
you know, I think that comes from my parents. My parents are very charitable and, and they're always, they were, growing up, they were always just encouraging myself to get involved in the community, volunteer, add value, <clears throat> because we're so fortunate. And I just want to add joy to people's lives, really. And I feel like movement for me, I don't really, really like being called like a fitness person or a trainer, mm-hmm. because I feel like I go way beyond that, right? For me, you know, fitness is just a way to bring people together. And community is so powerful. And I think it's lacking in so many areas of society. So any area, any opportunity we have to bring people together and be healthy at the same time, I think is very special. But in regards to the other components of health and wellness, I would say I started implementing and experimenting with those probably 18 months, two years ago. And it started just doing research like, okay, I'm going to have a morning cocktail with apple cider vinegar, lemon, and Himalayan salt every morning. Okay, that feels good. Then I'm going to kind of, then I tried like bulletproof coffee, you know, putting grass-fed butter, MCT oil in my coffee. And I saw like, okay, I got a nice quick energy boost and I felt really grounded at the same time. So I always try and implement new things for myself. And then I'm like, okay, I see the benefit here. I'm going to have some family, some friends try it, some clients. And, and yeah, I think, I think just focusing on one part, just fitness is neglecting a majority of the puzzle. Right. And I just consider, you know, fitness, nutrition, they're all pieces to this very important puzzle. And if one of them's missing, it's going to have a domino effect. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, and I, yeah, the, the, the you know, I, I always have a gripe with the actual word fitness because it doesn't it doesn't allude to anything meaningful on someone's journey to health, and and my background is quite quite fitness, um, and people come to me and say I want to get fitter. I'm sure as they do to you, and my question is why uh, fit for what? You know, fit is is a process to get you to a certain. Um, level certain standard and it's usually to do with some sort of athletic um, event more than anything else so um, you know I think you could define um, your wellness in terms of your fit your fitness to to live a healthy life but I think that that's sort of a, a derivative of the actual term so for me you know a bit like yourself it doesn't quite it doesn't encapsulate what you're trying to do and the messaging you're trying to get across so that whole fitness thing it's kind of one of, my, one of my bugbearers, really, because people say that I want to get fit and they don't really have a deeper meaning to that. And they also don't have clarity over what that means to them. And I think that's kind of step one. Um, 100%. I think there's a lack of specificity. Like people will say, oh, I want to lose weight. Okay, well, go to the bathroom right now. Take a number one or number two. It doesn't matter. Come back out and you're going to have lost weight, right? Like there's got to be... There's got to be more intention and there's got to be more specificity behind it so we can actually reach and aspire to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in regards to like fitness, you know, I think most people want to be able to do the things that they enjoy, the things that they love without feeling pain. Like they want to be able to feel strong and secure and safe doing those things, whether it's you know, playing basketball on the weekend with their friends or running around with their kids or taking their grandkids to soccer practice, whatever it may be. We just want to be able to live life without pain 
so we can be joyful and experience all of the beauty of life, right? Like, like you said, I mean, it's such a small percentage of us playing sports or anything else competitive at a high level. Yeah. So it's really just about quality of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It's well said. And um, I, also worth noting from my perspective is um, the, the, you know, I, I now train guys that are, that are sort of in their forties and there's a mindset as you get older, your health declines and that is just not it's not written on the wall do you know what i mean it's not a necessity it's not it's not a route you have to take that's a choice for your health to decline as you get older that's a choice that you're making um and that's kind of the the message that i'm always trying to put forward as opposed to kind of there's a common edicts out there that people um just think oh well I, you know i've got aches and pains oh well i must be getting old um and that's again a real frustration and a, a sort of aligns to what you're saying it's you know, and, and it's so cliche, but age is really just a number mm. because I have a client and she's like 70, she's 71 now actually from London and she walks three miles every morning and trains five days a week and she's incredible. Yeah. And then there's people like you said that they kind of throw in the towel mm. already. And I feel like, again, it goes back to this idea you know, you graduate college and then there's this external pressure to jump right into a corporate job and people stop playing, people stop, stop moving, people stop doing these things that we're, we're, we're designed to be doing, right? Whether it's dancing, walking, running, playing a sport, it doesn't matter what it is, but your body's designed to move. Mm -hmm. So when you stop doing that and you replace it with sitting on your ass all day, you know, it's no wonder why we spoke about mental health, chronic disease, all of these things that are so elevated, right? And that goes again with like pain and injuries, all of those. Yeah, cool. So with your uh, with your movement, um, your stand up to sitting, well, what's what's what do you define as the goal of that movement? What are you trying to? What's kind of your your flag? I would say the biggest goal is to educate and empower people on simple strategies just to to implement in their day-to-day -day life because you know you're about to be a father soon right yeah and, and your time's about to be even more precious so i have compassion i have empathy i completely understand listen this person is working eight to six and they're going home they're going to eat dinner with their family and and spend time with them so i don't want to I don't want to encourage someone to replace that family time with an hour CrossFit or an hour yoga. That's why it's so vital and crucial and beneficial to incorporate five minutes of movement here and there throughout the day. Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, Einstein came up with E equals MC squared. Good job, Albert. But I came up, I came up with small changes equal big changes okay <laughs> equally as profound okay but guys there's something called the pomodoro technique and basically this was a strategy developed in the 1970s that found that listen if you move for five minutes whether it's stretching going on a walk outside every half hour so five minutes every half hour then you're going to maintain a lot of blood flow throughout the day and your metabolism is going to stay consistent as well. 
So if you add up five minutes every half hour and you take that over an eight hour workday, right? That's 80 minutes of movement. And it's not high intensity stuff, but most of us don't need that to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're just moving, stretching and showing your joints and, and tissue some love, you're going to be in such a better position to be more energetic and live a fulfilled life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, again, it comes back to your, your goal of, of trying to be healthier and happier as opposed to getting fit for a certain, uh, you know, trying, trying to have a, a, an external goal, extrinsic goal that doesn't really uh, add up to your values and you haven't really um, delved deeper into why you're doing something or why you want to do something around health or fitness within your own journey. And I think um, that getting that clarity, again, is, is just absolutely vital. Um, and you know, the, the more we study the body, you know, and, and again, I think some people think that we know loads about the body and, and the more we study it, the more you realize how little we know. Um, the, the more we study it now, the more we're seeing actually, you know, the, the one hour in the gym versus 23 hours in an office. Surprise, surprise, the biggest impact is, is what you do in those 23 hours, not in that one hour you're sat in the gym um having a good workout whether it be a super high intensity crossfit workout or, or kind of a, um, a a more gentle kind of yin yoga you know that you've got to consider what you're doing outside um those train quote unquote training hours um yeah 100 and yeah if you i mean you hit it on the head and another thing to piggyback off that you know people who are sedentary for a majority of the day and then they're expecting to perform at a high level during whatever class they're going to your hips your spine is going to be locked up so you're more likely to get hurt you're more likely to get discouraged right from doing a session like that because your body is not ready for it it's not prepared for it and you know, like you said, just, just these small things and human beings are spending 93% of their lifetime indoors. And that might even be higher in a place like, you know, England, where it's cold for a majority of the year, right? But we need to get outside, connect with nature. I always say overdose on the free drugs. People are so, people are so quick to prescribe, you know, this pill for that and another, another drink for this. But listen, if you just overdose on oxygen, water, sunshine, relationships, community, you know, you're going to you're going to have a happy, healthy life. And I, I hate to make it so sound so easy, but I really want to break it down and encourage you guys just to take advantage of all of these things right underneath our nose. I think and, and the, the blue zone studies, which I, I reference a lot in, in, in the conversations I have and, and the podcast as well, you know, they they demonstrate that without a shadow of a doubt. So they're, they're longitudinal studies and, and they they look at um, some of the longest living people and the healthiest um, populations on the planet. And, and, you know, that is what we're seeing. We're not seeing them doing loads and loads of quite quite fitness or training. You know, they are living uh, in, in small communities that are really well integrated. They depend on each other. Um, diet is hugely important. Being outdoors in nature and being just generally active is what provides us with a healthy life. And, and that's 
that's we're learning that more and more as we kind of we, we study it although like you said it, it, it it's you know it goes it arcs back to the kind of that you know we spend years studying something in western medicine that they've been practicing in eastern medicine hmm. for about two thousand years do you know what i mean and we, we just we don't seem to break the cycle of, of what what makes sense yeah it's a it's a interesting cycle um but like you said i mean just getting getting back to those getting back to those basics and also and also just want to mention like if if you do want to achieve some sort of unique special aspirational goal that's completely okay all the power to you but i think we're just trying to say the baseline for most people is just to be healthy without pain when they wake up in the morning being able to do the things that they enjoy doing focus on those basics um but yeah the blue zone studies are so interesting and like you said they're just moving throughout the day right they're moving they're being active they're eating natural real food nothing processed um and yeah relationships are relationships are everything and not not online relationships, the real ones, like we're doing right now, right? We're staring into each other's eyes. <laughs> I'll, when's it, I want to ask, I want to ask you guys, when, think about this. Close your eyes. Think about this. When is the last time that you stared into somebody's eyes with the intention of just trying to get to know them and, and listen deeper? And just think about that because it's one of these skills that has been lost and if we can just get some of that back i think we're going to find much more meaning yeah uh, yeah amen i think um and that's actually something that the podcast has um really brought to brought to the forefront of, of my life is having conversations with and, and i know we talked about it and you were finding it quite interesting as well having conversations with people that you're genuine genuinely genuinely uh interested in in hearing what they've got to say therefore by going through this process um you you learn to listen um and have quite deep conversations um and it, it, it in a weird way it feels like something that we should be doing very naturally very organically but um i don't think we do i think now it's all very transactional um you see lots of people for very short sets short spells uh, throughout your day and you never really sit down um, and we're constantly distracted. You know, we've got a supercomputer in our pocket that, that can connect us with every person on the planet. Um, we've got, you know, a TV full of uh, programs that they've spent millions and millions on to, trying to keep us engaged. And, and, you know, it's really hard to break out of that and have those deep conversations where you um, develop the skill of listening. Um, and on the other side, the, the skill of storytelling, which, you know, is innate to our human nature. Yeah. And... It's funny because I think the conversation we're having right now, like we were having similar conversations offline, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of us are just, we've been preconditioned in a lot of ways for our communication. You know, we ask the most basic questions. You know, I'm staying at this hostel in London. And it's like, hey, where are you from? Oh, what do you do? And it's these very surface level questions and we oftentimes have these same types of conversations with our close friends or family members and we never really dive deep, you know? So, you know, having more depth and actually having meaningful conversations, right? And, and just diving deeper 
um, a lot of things will be discovered. And I think a lot of I think a lot of our problems will also be this will also be resolved because so many people just feel alone. Mm-hmm. So having these conversations and and being there to listen with intention and not just listening so you can respond, right? There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So having these conversations and and really valuing communication is so important. And as coaches, you know that's that's what I think separates the best coaches from the the mediocre ones is that honest communication, that ability to give feedback in a constructive way and and really hold people accountable in a way that works for them. Because as you know, each individual is so unique in their needs. Mm-hmm. So communication, especially for us as coaches, but for everyone, it's yeah. so important. Yeah, and, and I think um, the accountability is massive as well. And, and you, you you certainly feel that as a coach, you're kind of, you're, you're in that process. It's something that's hard to explain uh, upfront, but it's probably what people derive the most value from because they're actually uh, held accountable to their to themselves and, and the, the path that they're on and the path they've chosen and actually to progress. Um, and it's quite interesting because um, I, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but recently someone said that, you know, to be, to be a really good friend to someone, you need to hold them completely accountable. Um, and that actually means having those deep conversations and asking them challenging questions and, and you know, putting them to the, putting them to the coal as it were, and, and make sure that they understand um, what's staring back at them when they're looking in the mirror. Um, and that's, it's tough. It's really tough. And it's something that I think, you know, if we, if we ask ourselves questions and interactions that we have with our friends, um, sometimes we just don't do that. And as coaches, we have to do that because that's, that's the job. And that's a tough part of the job that sometimes in, in our sort of close, um, relationships, we just don't, we don't, we don't do that. We don't. And actually I think we, we're not, we're not being true, true friends because we're not holding that mirror of accountability up to our friend. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of it is fear because it's the fear of not being liked. Yeah. You know, we, most of us, human nature, we want to be liked, right? And as soon as we're honest, even if it's for their best interests, then we envision some controversy or conflict taking place. But it's funny you mentioned the accountability thing because actually right before I, I left for England like a week ago, uh, a couple of my friends and I, I did this with like four or five of my friends, you know, we made an accountability group and we each picked one thing that we wanted to be held accountable for by the rest of the group. So one of my friends is, you know, he's an absolute monster. Like you would look at him, you would think he's an incredible Hulk, but on the inside, he was kind of feeling like shit. And he's like, he was like, yeah, guys, I just stopped doing all the basics. Like, I barely drink water. So we're like, stop right there. All right. Let's drink a gallon a day. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're holding him accountable for. And just having people to check in with you and to support you and knowing that they're, that they're there because they care about you. You know, and I think most people receive, receive that type of feedback in a positive way if it's given to them in a constructive way. You know, because they they genuinely oftentimes do understand like this is for my self-interest, 
Um, but of course, there's going to be people that get offended, but you can't worry about that. You have to, you have to be real. You have to be honest. You have to be transparent. You know, there's no other way to be. Yeah. And you have to give a shit. Um, yeah. You have to give a shit. And, and it's not easy as well. It's not the easy choice. And I think that's the problem, isn't it? You, you've got that, um, that disease to please, which you mentioned, wanting to be liked all the time. Mm. And then the easy choice, which is just, just agree um, and move on. Um, and the tough choice is actually to, 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 to put them to the fire and, and hold them accountable and, and you know, get them some results and help them um, and be that team player. And that's the, that's the reference I always make. You know, are you being a team player? And being a team player means that you, uh, you provide that feedback because without it, the team can't move forward. You know what I mean? You can't all sit around a table, tell each other how great we are if we're losing every single week. It just doesn't, doesn't add up. Yeah, 100%. And I, and I tell my clients too, I expect the same type of feedback from them. I ask them, you know, very, very frequently. I'm like, I'm asking for feedback. Like, what do you like about our sessions? What do you think I could improve upon? You know, because we're we're all a work in progress. Yeah. You know, just because we're coaches doesn't mean we're not learning. We're we're learning and growing every single day. And I think when you kind of have those conversations with people and they understand like, okay, we're not putting this person on a pedestal pedestal just because they're our coach. Like they want my opinion. They want my feedback. They want to hear my voice. I think that's when you start to build a lot of mutual respect and admiration and long-term, long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And I think, um I, I think you you can easily get caught up in in what people refer to as professionalism and have a have a have a barrier in in you actually doing those things um and the more and more i i sort of mature in my attitude and outlook the, the, the less i want to, to use that as a frame reference that that old-fashioned professionalism approach um and like i was saying before you know you know, when, when the guys come on board with me, I, I tell them that I'm going to be, ultimately, I'm going to try and be a true friend to them. And that means holding them accountable and all the things that we just talked about. Um, cool. Let's, let's, um, let's move on. So um, we, we've touched on it a little bit. And it's something that, you know, you mentioned about my frustrations with the healthcare system and, and uh, you know, the way things aren't working, big pharma, all the problems that we see. Um, what's, what sort of, pisses you off in, in the health and well-being space? What, what gets on, gets your goat and, and uh, sort of keeps you up at night and, and sort of drives you forward as well, fuels you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I have a little bit of an interesting perspective because my dad's been a neurologist for 40 years now. He's actually retiring at the end of this year. And, you know, brain health is one of those things that, people thought was all genetic. They didn't factor any epigenetics or they, they almost took out the control. They, they, they made the individual powerless. And I think healthcare, especially in the States, is sending the message to every single person that you are broken. Mm-hmm. You know, in their advertising, in their marketing, and even physicians, the way they're, they're trained to diagnose patients now, it's like you have a certain quota. You have to see this number of patients each and, each and every day to reach this pay grade or whatever the structure is. But 
It's the constant reminder and messaging to each person and individual that you are broken. You need to take this pill to get rid of prediabetes or obesity or um, high blood pressure, whatever, whatever it is. And they're not empowering them. There's no empowerment going on like, hey, listen, if you substituted these foods for those foods and, you know, went on a 45 minute walk every day, I think over a course of three or so months, you might see a lot of these issues dissolve. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just bothersome that it's all about money. And, uh, you know, I know it's cliche, but when it comes down to it, you know, what's upsetting is everyone's losing. Um, doctors, you know, I know so many doctors who are just absolutely burnt out. They're burnt out. They're not even enjoying this job that's supposed to be so fulfilling and rewarding because the average in the U.S. at least, the average interaction, the average time with a patient, each appointment is eight minutes. Yep. Yeah, I think it must be similar here. And it's it's really what what can you accomplish in eight minutes? Yeah. You know, other than write up a quick prescription. Mm-hmm. And it's just really upsetting to see it go that way in such an extreme way and for people to be so reliant from a young age kids are coming in at eight or nine years old saying hey i'm you know their parents coming in hey he's anxious he he can't stop moving around we need to give him adderall Mm -hmm. like really you're giving this eight or nine year old like a very potent drug and now he's going to be dependent on it for the rest of his life. And, and, and how, how is that going to affect his growth? How is that going to affect his brain, his hormones, all of these things? So it, it's, it's a very sensitive subject. You know, we could talk for hours on end about this. Um, and then what I guess gives me hope or what gets me moving and gets the needle moving for me is... I do see like functional medicine becoming more prominent and people seem to be a little more awoke Mm -hmm. and understanding that they do hold control. But I think it's a lot of people, our parents age, like the baby boomers who are in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s now who grew up with this very, uh, very targeted messaging basically, um, whether it was nutrition or health wise, but basically saying like, okay, if my dad had a heart attack, I'm going to have a heart attack. Or if my grandpa had Alzheimer's, I'm going to get Alzheimer's. And it takes away the accountability, Mm. right? Like we were talking about accountability and now it's just like an excuse, like, oh, I'm destined for this. Yeah. So that's a long answer. No, no, that's, that's no, no, no. I think that's a great answer. Um, and yeah, it's just a common, common idea that people have. And, and, you know, the functional medicine stuff is fantastic. And it reminds me of, of a quote, um, that I just thought, remembered, but from Deepak Chopra and, and he says, um, he says, believe the diagnosis, don't believe the prognosis. So you, you, you know, you feel like you are empowered and, and make the change, I guess, is the message behind that. But it's a really kind of snappy kind of uh, quote yeah, to, to people. Um, and, and, you know, what, what amazing what he's doing in the functional medicine space as well. Um, and it, it's it's great to see. Um, 
I think we're way a little way away from seeing this tide change um, in terms of the obesity moving in the wrong direction, diabetes, you know, all those chronic conditions which are still moving away from us in terms of getting them on the right side of healthy. Yeah. And listen, that's why I think the workplace is such a profound area of impact because where are these people spending the majority of their lives, right? At work. And not only are they sitting all day, but they are extremely stressed and they don't really have any tools to relieve stress, breathing techniques, different stuff like that. And most of them are eating absolute garbage for lunch throughout the day. They're not hydrating properly. So it's an influx of things. And I think one leads to the other. They're probably sleep deprived too. Maybe their relationship with their loved one isn't good because they're coming home every day stressed Mm -hmm. and frustrated and angry. So all of a sudden, you know, this workplace situation has kind of transcended um, the entire landscape of one's health and longevity. So that's why I think for me personally, I think the workplace is the biggest opportunity to make a long-term change for the better. Mm, interesting. That is interesting. And I know you're doing some work in that, specifically focusing on that um, over in Miami and bits and pieces there. Yeah, we're working with a couple smaller offices, um, but definitely looking to grow and continue just impacting these people and, and going in, seeing what value we can offer. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of what I've noticed with these smaller offices where we're able to build more personal relationships with the team is that these people oftentimes don't have anyone in their life to support them or to hold them accountable or to join them maybe going to the gym or going on a walk. So us being there and having that presence is so big for them because it's the first time in 50, 60 years for some of them that they've had someone check in like, hey, did you you drink that 16 ounces of water this morning? Hey, did you you go for that 10-minute walk you said you were going to do? So I think that's that's the power it has, yeah. right? And it really comes down to the leadership, I think, of the companies and businesses. If they're aligned with it, if they truly value and believe and love that their team, this is something they're going to invest in. Yeah. But if their sole purpose is to lower healthcare costs, then it's not going to be a good fit because, you know, like you said, obesity, diabetes, these things don't happen over. Right. It's 10, 15 years of sustained poor habits and it's not going to go away and overnight either. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a, it's going to take time to notice, you know, results. And I think that's why leadership is really the driving force, you know, HR. Sure. But it really comes down to the C-level execs. Yeah. Is this something they want to implement? Is this something that they're going to participate in? and those guys are you know the guys that I coach as well and and it's like you know sometimes it's difficult conversation because they in my experience because they they understand their role as a uh, manager within a corporation or within a small organization or even a boss um, but um, to actually then permeate their leadership into the health of their staff is for some of these guys quite a big leap 
um, and one that needs to be cultivated and developed um, over time as well. I don't know how you feel about that, but but it's kind of some of the pushback I've had. Yeah, listen, it's I think it it comes back to culture, right? You know, if you look at the best companies that have been around for a hundred plus years or the ones that are up and coming that are gonna that are the biggest players now it's all about offering their team a special experience mm. because it's so competitive out there so not only if you want to bring in the best talent but if you want to retain the best talent you better be doing something above and beyond just paying them a paycheck and giving them a happy hour every month yeah. And, and that's what a lot of people do is like, oh, we're going to give them a happy hour and get people together that way. But this is something that people want, right? And if leadership's willing to invest, it's one of those things where it's like you're putting in the initial kind of investment at the front part of it, and you might not get the results later. And so many of us love that instant gratification. But you have to know on the inside that this is not only the right thing to do, but it's it's the best thing to do for your bottom line down the road. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I think people value, um, they appreciate being cared for and acknowledged and nurtured mm-hmm. more so than even sometimes their salary. Yeah. You know? I, I think and and um, I think we're seeing that with um, the, the younger generations coming into the workforce, actually, they're not valuing money as the number one factor in uh, their employment. Um, and that is, I think that's a cultural change from the 80s and the 90s when it was, um, you know, sort of Epicurean, everyone was about the money and, and it's, you know, it was kind of a bit of a flash culture. I think things are, have changed in that space and there have been some recent studies to prove that as well. Um, but to flip it all around, um, it's interesting because you know a, a leader within the military would demand that their body of people turn up in a decent shape to do the role that their that the the, the the environment demands of them. So they demand a healthy workforce. They demand a fit health force, um, and they demand the best of the people that are under them. And they give them that opportunity to actually um, be the best that they can. Um, so, so it's interesting from that dynamic, and I think some some of the bigger corporations they do try and model some of their leadership styles on on what goes on within the military as well. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that 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 piece of the puzzle doesn't quite line up. Yeah, it's listen. You look at if you ever when I was back home in California a few months ago, you know I visited like Google's headquarters and just obviously Google's. As a superhero, like they're they're absolute beast. But the way that they have, you know, the dining halls, the quality of food that, you know, all their employees have access to. Each each building has a state of the art gym and outdoor stuff for them to do basketball courts. Like I'm not saying every every business, most businesses aren't in position to do that. But even things like walking clubs or running clubs or just you know bringing wellness practitioners in on a on a consistent basis and right now in the states the most common thing you'll see is like a wellness week Mm -hmm. where one week out of the 52 you know you have a hospital sponsor this of course it's all money generated too right and they'll take your blood glucose and they'll 
take your blood pressure and they'll tell you, okay, you should probably see a doctor now because <laughs> these numbers are very elevated. But another thing I want to touch on too in regards to in regards to the workplace real quick and then we'll switch it up is there's something called presenteeism. And when you talk to leadership, they, one of the big initiatives that they want to reverse is absenteeism, right? Like missed days of work, which makes sense. But I was diving a little deeper and just reading into it. And presenteeism is actually a bigger issue. And there's, in the, big, the, the funny thing is there's really no way to measure it because presenteeism is when someone's physically at the job, mm -hmm. they're at the office, but they're not really there. <laughs> they're like completely right. zoned out yeah, yeah they're cognitively not firing on all cylinders probably because they're eating like shit they're not moving their body and every like so many people are suffering with brain fog mm. like so many and you know i was telling you that's why i'm such a big fan of you know like the the mushroom products that i have my clients on where it's like eight organic mushrooms because these are tools that are ingredients that are so good for memory cognitive function and you know i think brain health needs to be put at the the highest highest priority um and you're seeing type 3 diabetes with alzheimer's and dementia just sweeping sweeping over the elderly and it's so sad and I, you know as my parents get older i'm like so motivated to keep their health at a high level yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah, it's 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 a massive space, isn't it? And and what what is good about it from our perspective is um, companies are starting to look at this stuff, and it is becoming uh, you know more than just a kind of like a very uh, obscure niche now. This corporate well-being, corporate health is 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 becoming more and more prevalent. You know, and we're seeing that as well, which is good. Yeah, I mean, all we can do is you know continue spreading our message. Yep, and being again being intentional and and really enrolling people in our vision yeah absolutely you know some people are going to align with us and some won't yeah you're, not gonna, you're never going to please everyone yeah and i think that's that's that yeah and in a nutshell the power of the internet and, and doing things like your own podcast um allows you to do that you know and pull the people that that understand your message to you um and that that's the magic of what's going on at the moment and the speed of development in that space is phenomenal um it's incredible yeah and we I, all have a voice yeah like it's 2019 and i think that's what's so cool is we all have a voice we all have the ability to be heard so there's really no excuse no there isn't there really isn't and um you know in my eyes just posting your 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 holiday pictures is not really going to shift the needle or impact anyone's life so why not use this incredible tool that we've now got all got our fingertips for, for something that's, that's that's meaningful to you um uh, it might be it could be anything but um it sure as hell ain't posting pictures about your just you know the best days of your life um and expecting to believe everyone to believe that you have a really lovely life when actually the pictures you don't post um things aren't that great yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's an interesting place to go um i know we have to wrap up soon but um <laughs> but uh it's pretty late here, guys, by the way. Yeah. It's like midnight, and we, you and I both have, like, super early days. I fly to Madrid, probably at, leave here at, like, 4.35 a.m., <laughs> yeah. um, and you have a 6.30 a.m. client. But, no, what you're talking about, two things I wanted to touch on real quick. Um, one, 
in regards to, you know, getting your message out there and whether it be social media, whatever the platform is, you know, if you're a coach out there or if you have a positive message to display, to amplify, I feel like there's an obligation to do so. And I tell, I have this conversation with so many people in the health industry and I'm like, you have so much knowledge, you have so much good energy, but you're not sharing it. And they all have the same excuse like, oh, I don't like social media, it takes too much time, I don't know what to post. It's like, that's bullshit. Just, just a lot, an hour, two hours a week to it. And you need to spread that message because it's 2019 and I know I prioritize my in-person impact, number one, of course, but like we have the ability to reach so many people. Like this conversation wouldn't be happening without social media. And we need to harness the power of it rather than um, make it a villain. And what you were saying after that is, you know, I think social media has made um, this whole comparing, you know, Teddy Roosevelt says it best when he says comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And people are constantly in the game of, you know, stacking their chips against other people's and, and comparing their, their grind to other people's highlight reel. Mm. Because everyone's just posting the highlights of their life. Now, I'm probably guilty of the same. I try and also kind of be more authentic and like write meaningful things um, and provide value. But it's really, I just think, important for a mental health standpoint to just understand that you might be feeling jealous or resentment towards someone for something they post because you're like, oh, their life's so great and they have a perfect marriage, perfect life. And it's never the case, you know. Um, everyone has their shit and most people just aren't willing to share that part. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> we would, there's a rabbit hole, isn't it? The whole uh, social media aspect of the internet. But um, yeah, I want to keep kind of keep things moving forward. Um, and I, I want to hear from you. So you've mentioned a few different things to do. So um, kind of like what, what, what loosely, what does a day look like for you in terms of um, how you prioritize health? And um, what are some of the some of the things that you do take um, think about that keep you kind of on point on a daily basis? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take you through my like a typical day. Obviously, this isn't every day, but this is kind of a Monday through Friday. Typical scope is I'll usually have three to four clients in the morning from 6 to 10 a.m., 6 to 11 a.m., um, maybe with an hour in between off. So I'll usually wake up at 4.45 or 5, and I always, at a minimum, try to give myself 30 minutes in the morning to journal. So, you know, writing one thing that I'm feeling grateful for in the moment, uh, one affirmation, one affirmation, telling myself, you know, lately my affirmation has been just writing down and saying out loud, I am a joyful honest, inspirational leader, and uh, just getting my head and my mind and my belief system aligned, because I feel like so many people wake up and they're already in the rabbit hole of checking their phones, um, attending to other people's needs. So I think one of the most important things, starting from the previous night, actually, is putting your phone on airplane mode 
and leaving it on airplane mode for the first 30 to 60 minutes of your day to really give yourself that time to breathe, to move your body. You know, my acronym is CLIMB, cold exposure, lubricate your organs, at least 16 ounces of water, intention, set an intention for the day, and move your body, and B for breathe. Um, you don't have to do all of them. Find which two or three have the most profound effects on you. But having that first part of your day where you're able to build momentum for the rest of the day is so huge. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, like we're at the we're at the beck and call of other people, whether it's our client, whether it's our spouse, whoever it is, there's so much chaos that takes place throughout the day that isn't necessarily under our control, but you have full control and, and uh, autonomy over those first 30 to 60 minutes. So if you have to wake up a little earlier, then that's what you have to do. Um, and then kind of mid-afternoon, eat a healthy lunch. Usually have my first meal at like 11 or 12. Um, I love, it's either, you know, a big salad with like salmon or three or four eggs and avocado. And then probably one or two more clients in the, in the evening time. And I usually sandwich my workout in, you know, afternoon or late evening. Um, but yeah, I'm really trying to just be more intentional about doing the things I love to do, like taking on projects that I actually am passionate about. Um, cause in the past I was taking on things kind of because, you know, I loved what you said. What would the, what was, the need to please. No, I wrote it Disease down. Disease to please. Disease to please. Yeah. I love that. And I was definitely guilty of that. Um, so filling my day with like meaning, you know, you know, my clients, my personal needs and spending time with people I care about and that push me and make me better. So that's kind of, that's kind of an average, average day for me. And then obviously some days, are more chaotic than others, but definitely taking that self inventory on myself mm -hmm. each morning, checking in with myself, getting my mind right, getting my heart aligned. Yeah, it's important stuff. Awesome. Um, yeah, and, and I think um, it, it aligns to, um, I can't remember who said it now, someone on, on Rich Roll's podcast, but it's, you know, we, we, we sometimes um, sort of idolize uh, possessions or, or a state we want to get to. Um, something we want, might want to own or a feeling we, we, we put off so far in the distance it doesn't really mean much um, but to, to truly have a, a kind of uh, successful happy life I think you need to sit down and map out what a good day looks like for you and if you haven't been through that exercise then how do you ever expect to get what you want um, and actually you know working in a job for 30 40 years that you're not that ex excited about you're not that passionate about um and you know getting the result quote unquote the result is, is is a bit of a hollow victory as opposed to spending the time doing the deep work sitting down and, and mapping out what a perfect day would look like for you one where you're at peace and you found happiness on a regular basis you connect with the people you care about and you love um, what that looked like and how you could implement that plan versus the big house or the retirement or x y or z that's 20 30 years off in the future you know it, you, you, you're going to set yourself up for 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 a fall um taking that approach yeah yeah i mean it, you see it all the time i think it's big everywhere but yeah people are always chasing 
chasing these material things, you know, trying to impress people that they don't even know, that they don't even like. <laughs> and oftentimes those are the people that are really searching for meaning the most. Um, so yeah, that's why I think it's like you said, is having those conversations with yourself. We're so scared of silence. Like I feel like today people are freaked out of silence and, and spending time alone. You need that time. You need to get comfortable with yourself. You need to be able to look in the mirror, stare at yourself and be happy about the person that you're becoming. Yeah. And there needs to be that commitment towards growth. Yeah. People get too complacent, too comfortable. And when that happens, you're just staying, staying put. Mm -hmm. And once you commit to growth, just do something new each day or, or, or get out of your typical day-to-day -day routine and have that mindset of consistent improvement in some aspect of life. It doesn't have to be big. Remember, small changes equal big changes, mm -hmm. right? And just being willing and open to evolve and grow is, I think, a huge, a huge step to take. Yeah, yeah, and and all everything that we talk, all the positive aspects of the stuff that we're talking about, it takes time. Um, to be healthy, to move your health in, in a right direction, um, to succeed in, in, in being that stuff, being, being the person that you want to be. Um, but actually, failing at that stuff also takes time. You know, eating too much sugar, you know, uh, completely screwing up your insulin pumps um, and your, your cellular metabolism takes time. So whichever direction you choose, and I truly believe it is a choice, it takes time to move down one path or down the other. So, you know, it's around those decisions and how you map it out and the choices you make. So, you know, no choice is a choice. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think uh, one place where people stumble that I would, I would love to offer some advice and encouragement is rather than trying to take on four or five new habits at once, focus on one thing and be great at that one thing and build consistency at that one thing. Because yeah. I see too many people trying to wake up at 5 a.m., go vegan, uh, start CrossFit, do yoga, and um, and like become an entrepreneur all in the same month. It's like, <laughs> no, that's not going to be an effective way. So pick something. Maybe it's Maybe it's waking up. 30 minutes before the, you're typically used to and you build consistency, see what that extra 30 minutes does to open up space and time for these other vital parts of your, your, your day. So don't overwhelm yourself because that's going to be discouraging if you try something and then you're not successful at it, you're not effective at it. So really pick one thing, whether it's like you said, removing sugar, or removing meat, whatever it is, and master that thing and then implement something else. Wicked. Um, I've got one final question for you, Jeremy, before we um, wrap this up. I mean, we could just keep chatting all night. Um, miss your flight, and I, I, <laughs> I miss my work tomorrow as well, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, attempt to uh, wrap it up with my final question that I ask all my um, podcast guests, and that is, what does health mean to you? Health to me means 
and I, I, I think I touched on this earlier, but health to me just means being able to do all of the, all of the things I love to do at a high level without feeling any sort of pain. And for me personally, you know, sorry to drag on the question, but for me personally, I'm an active person. I like playing sports. I like exploring nature, hikes, whatever it may be. So I know if those are the activities I want to be doing consistently at a high level, then I might need to put in that extra work with my joint mobility or, you know, getting a little extra sleep. So I'm feeling well rested and energized. So like you said, having those conversations with yourself, understanding what your wants and needs are, and then putting yourself in position to match those aspirations with the actions necessary. So for me, to summarize, health means being able to do all of the things that I love at a high level without feeling pain. Awesome. Good answer. Um, where can we find you and all the bits that you're up to? What's the best way to connect with you, Jeremy? So the best place to connect with me would definitely be, uh, you know, I would love to have Nick on my podcast too. Um, <laughs> the Stand Up to Sitting podcast, you can find it on, you know, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Instagram is Coach Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, 305. Always posting different movement, uh, inspiring videos whatever you need i try to i try to provide it there and then on linkedin as well um you can find me on linkedin and yeah those would those would probably be the best three places to consume content to connect with me i'm always responding to every message so please feel free to reach out and i'm always happy to dive deeper jeremy it's been a pleasure thank you very much brother all right mate So there we have it as a wrap for episode one of series two, uh, the deep dive. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that and got a lot of value out of that. Please do follow Jeremy um, and, and pay these podcasts forwards in, in kind of engagement. That's 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 the currency that, that we love um, and we want to hear what's going on with you guys and, and what you found relevant, pertinent and uh, usable in your life. So please do engage with myself and Jeremy. I'm at The Knock and that's uh, T-H-E-N-O-Q on social, Facebook, Instagram, probably the best place to uh, to get hold of me. Send me a message, let me know what you thought. And also, if you are enjoying the content that we are creating here at the Elemental Health Podcast, then please share it with someone uh, and get someone else uh, moving in the right direction towards uh, amazing, awesome health. Until next time, take care.